Hey guys, before we get going on the episode, I wanted to bring you up to speed on a couple things. One being, we did not get a chance to do a live episode this week. This is only like the second or third time in five years we didn't get to that um, in a week. But uh, one being a couple weeks ago, we were in quarantine. This week, uh, my family was sick, so we did not get a chance to record. Uh, however, our good friend Deacon Harrison Garlic from the Diocese of Tulsa in Eastern Oklahoma, he has stepped up to the plate for us. He he uh, is going to interview Andrew Willard Jones for us. If you don't know Andrew, he is the author of a couple books, one being Before Church and State, um, and then he's also the founder of New Polity for newpolity.com. Uh, Deacon Garlic has generously agreed to interview Andrew for us and uh, use it for the Catholic Command Show. So we're going to be posting that very soon. Uh, so be sure to, to check back for that. We're also going to be giving away a set of the Summa Theologica from St. Thomas Aquinas here very soon. Uh, we're going to give it away for free. So make sure you sign up for our newsletter so you're aware of that. We're also going to be replaying this week an episode that we did with uh, Brett McKay. Brett McKay is, uh, founded The Art of Manliness back in 2008 and, and has grown to be one of the uh, largest independent men's interest magazines on the web. If you uh, haven't ever had a chance to, make sure to go to artofmanliness.com and check that out. But we got a chance to interview with uh, interview Brett, and so we wanted to make sure to uh, give you guys a chance to listen to it if you haven't had the opportunity. Next week, we'll have the interview with Andrew Willard-Jones with Deacon uh, Harrison Garlic, and then we we should get back to our regular scheduled program after that. So we appreciate your um, patience with us, and uh, we hope everybody's doing well. Cheers. And welcome to this special edition of the Catholic Man Show. I'm Adam Minahan. To my right is my best friend, co-host. I don't know. I was gonna. I was gonna like list a long thing. Wing, long, wingman. Wingman. Yeah. 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 David Niles. Lifelong burden. <laughs> yes. The cross that I have to bear. Uh, to my to my left, we have Brett McKay from the Art of Manliness. Brett, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Hey, thanks for inviting me. And welcome to the show. Uh, so. We kind of had this informal, like we didn't really have a plan of action. We just wanted to okay. talk to you. All right. Um, We're improvising. Improvising. That's yes. manly. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Uh, first, before we get into the art of manliness, I want to ask you, you just went to the Clear Creek not too long ago. I saw yeah. that on your social media. What, yeah. what were your thoughts? It was great. So uh, I belong to a book group here in town where we've been reading the great books. Um, guys, Scott Hambrick is the guy heading up. He owns online great books. And we've been reading Thomas Aquinas. So we uh, decided. The Summa? Hmm, the Summa, yeah, Summa okay. Theologica. So um, we decided uh, for our discussion of Aquinas, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, we would go to Clear Creek Abbey. What better place yeah, for sure. to do it? Um, so yeah, we went there. It was fantastic because uh, it's out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, There's no cell phone reception. Which uh, is a beautiful thing. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you get in there, you're like, you're stepping into another world because you're on this schedule. It's been set for like over 1,500 years. Right. Um, one thing I found was really weird. I got, I was just sleepy. I was just tired all the time. I just wanted to nap <laughs> all the time. And I, I've read people who've you know, stayed at monasteries too, who aren't monks. And they said the same thing happens to them. Like they're just, they want to sleep all the time. Yeah. Uh, but then you kind of get into this rhythm and schedule and everything's good. But it was, it was fantastic. It was just a great uh, break from the world. And we had some great discussion. We were discussing the nature of evil, the problem of evil. Mm. Uh, I don't think we totally grasped it, but we got closer than we were before. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. I'm hoping to go back there again. Food was fantastic. 
Yeah. Oh, did you get to eat with the monks? Yeah, we ate with the monks. So you did. Okay, okay good. So, so they were chanting. Yeah, the whole entire time, yeah. but it was in English. Right. right? So yeah. they're like reading Catholic history. Yeah. yeah. It was actually really interesting. I was like, oh, this is, I didn't want them to stop. Yeah. It was, it's so weird though, that like them chanting in English while you're eating. Hello, yeah. Pontius Pilate. You know, it's yeah. like, <laughs> right. All right. I understand this. The first time I went there, I did had no idea what to expect and I was eating lunch and they were chanting a history book about Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. And it was the funniest just to listen to him, like, and then Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. Right, right. <laughs> and there was much rejoicing. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> but it gave me, I was like, I should do that with my kids. Like, when we're eating, just, like, play something, like, some kind of history book while we're eating. So they, because I actually, like, I remembered stuff. I learned things. So. Yeah, that's true. You know what? I do remember the stuff that I heard. Yeah. Yeah. I never really realized everyone's that. Because everyone's, you can't talk. Right. Mm-hmm. So you just have to listen. Uh-huh. So you got going. Well, we have a camp out coming yeah. up. Impromptu, if you can make it, October 28th, or October 18th through the 22nd, we'll okay. be out there. So if you out can come there. out there for even a couple okay. hours or days, yeah, it's come, a, come out there join at Clear us. Creek, they let yeah. us go out there, and we guys from all over the U.S. come in, and, and uh, that's awesome. It's a pretty cool camp out. Juan, our buddy Juan, uh, he roasts a pig over the fire, and so I mean, you can't get much manlier than that. Manlier than that, <laughs> it, is, it is pretty awesome. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the art of manliness. Sure, um, I'm a big fan of. I listened to your podcast. Uh, well, thank I, you. I really like. Yeah. You know what? You actually uh, listening to your podcast got me a kick on uh, reading Winston Churchill biographies. Oh yeah, I've now read three this year. Which ones have you read? So the Churchill to America, the the one with Candace Mill Millard, Millard yeah. um, airs. T- it was about the Boer War. Yeah, I can't right. remember. The, it's the called title. Um, Hero of the Empire. Hero, yes, Hero of the Empire, and then the uh, Theodore Roosevelt, um, Winston Churchill. Which one was that? I can't remember off the top of my head. Anyway, okay, I've read. I would not have read those no. until uh, until that. So I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, he's an interesting character. Mm-hmm. He is. Uh, somebody said that it takes um, a moment to recognize all of his vices and a ye- or a lifetime to recognize his virtues. Oh yeah, no, sure. There's a there's a series of biographies that are long. There's three of them. One of them, uh, I forgot the name of the author, but one of them is The Last Lion is the name of the title. And like, yeah, the guy was just super interesting uh he was a lot of people don't know this but like he made his living writing right mm-hmm. so he, he mm-hmm. was, right and that's why he went to war like he As a, wanted something to write well first he was a soldier and one i think in cuba um but then the boer war he was just going there as a journalist mm-hmm. uh and he, instead he decided to become a combatant uh and that's how he became a prisoner of war uh, no kidding yeah then he escaped on this and that's what made him a hero and kind of that that's what How, put him that, on track. That's what put him on track to become prime minister. Wow. That story of him like es- escaping is is awesome. I highly yeah. recommend it. It's you're almost on like edge edge of your seat just reading it. Wow. He's going to get See, caught. I did not know that about him. Yeah. All I know about him is as a public figure. Right. World War 2. Yeah. But he had a whole career that was really fascinating and interesting before mm-hmm. that. And uh, you know like you said, a lot of people know about his vices, mm-hmm. but he just seems like the leader that they needed. Yeah. At the time. At that time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you started the Art of Manliness a little over 10 years ago? Yeah. Uh, 2008. So we're, just, we're celebrating our 10 year anniversary. Okay. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah. What made you start? Uh, so here's the origin story. Okay. Uh, I was a law student at TU here mm-hmm. in town and it was 2007. I was taking a break from studying. I went to Borders over there on 81st. Oh and, yeah. Uh, yeah. The restaurant. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Sweet. 
um, and taking a break, and I was looking at the men's magazines like I typically do. The bookstore, I said. The bookstore, yeah. The, on yeah, the, the border bo- is the, the restaurant. On yeah. the border, yeah. On the border. Yeah, but Borders port- did have her, like a little cafe. Mm-hmm. Um, checking out the men's magazines like I do, like it's just a sort of habit. And I was looking over the headlines, and I realized, you know what? Every month with these things, the same same thing. It's like articles on six-pack abs. Yeah. Uh, you know, sex positions and like, you know, clothing that I could not afford as a broke you know, newly married yeah. law student. It just didn't resonate with me. I was like, this, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about I start the men's magazine that I'd always, that I'd want to read. Uh, so I'd been blogging a bit at the time and I said, you know what? I can just buy a domain name, start putting up content. So that's what I did right there in the, uh, the bookstore. I pulled out a pocket notebook, started writing ideas of what I was imagined it was going to be. I mean, I had, at this point I had no like idea of like, I wasn't an expert on manliness, right? Just right. a dude living my life. Just, I didn't like what was being put out there for men. Uh, so I started thinking about the content ideas, headline ideas, like the, the brand of it. And I, you know, I wanted to be kind of vintage because I, you know, my grandfather was a, he's a big hero of mine. Um, and for him, for me, like that represented, like that was a man, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, that world war two generation, they just, they just, uh, they were stoic. They just lived life. They were service oriented. Yeah. Uh, didn't put themselves first. They put, they're always going for a bigger cause family. And so I was like, okay, you gotta have a, you gotta have a title. You gotta have like a name. Right. So I was like, you know, sort of spitting ideas. And I read this book when I was in college called the manly arts, which is about 19th century bare buckle, uh, bare knuckle boxing. And I was like, the manly arts, no, nah, that doesn't sound as cool. Uh-huh. Like, How about the art of manliness? Yeah. And I was like that, that's got a ring to it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, came home and bought the domain name and, uh, started writing content for it in uh, 2008, January, I launched it. Mm-hmm. First article was how to shave like your grandpa. Nice. Uh, I'd been experimenting with safety, uh, safety razor. razor shaving yeah. and uh, just made this like very thorough article about it. And uh, for the first three months, not much traffic, just basically friends and family checking it out. And then uh, do you guys remember dig.com at all? Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah. So that was like the front page of the Internet. Right. If you got on the front page of dig, just sent you boatloads of traffic. Well, I was in uh, Will's Estates and Trust in law school uh-huh. learning about I don't know. I forgot what no. it was. And I was checking out the site and uh, it crashed. I'm like, what the heck is going on? So I went over there and I saw that I got on the front page of Dig and I was just getting so much traffic, it crashed my site. And that's the moment that uh, put me on the map. And wow. I was off to the races since then. So it was like three months in. So like March 2008 that I you know, got, got on the front page of Dig. And from there, we started getting linked on other big sites, Lifehacker, Reddit, uh, we'd get, you know, go viral and stumble upon. And, uh, Fast forward, like a year later, we had a book deal for our first book, The Art of Manliness, The mm-hmm. Green Book. Some of you guys, uh, you might have seen that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 2011, I graduated law school in 2009. And then in 2011, um, decided to go full time with the blog. That's awesome. Forget law. Forget, Forget law, yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, I didn't take the bar exam um, after I graduated law school. Uh, cause I, I interned some firms down here in downtown. I was like, this is not for me. Uh, so I did do a year or it was like six months uh, working uh, for Thomson Reuters, which they do legal research. Right. So whenever a lawyer does research for a case, they go to Tom, uh, this thing called Westlaw. I worked for them teaching law students how to use Westlaw. It's a great gig. Uh, but then, you know, I was trying to do that in the blog. My wife and I had our first kid, my son, uh, and I was just like, I can't do this all anymore. So mm-hmm. something has to give. So I had to put in my two weeks notice after six months of yeah. working. Because you can't do that for the kid. Right. No. no. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so 
Why do you think that there's such a thirst for this understanding of what the art of manliness the is? The art of manly. Well, I think, uh, I mean, we've written about this a lot. If you go to our site, you can, we, we've really uh, nailed this. But I think what's going on is there's a whole confluence of factors. Uh, I would say there was a period in time uh, in America and in the West where people had a good idea of what it meant to be a man. Right. You, and you had a dad in your house who mm-hmm. was showing you just by example. You had you were surrounded by grandparents, uncles, uh, close knit community community where you learned how to be a man through action. You worked mm-hmm. with with your dad. You worked with your grandfather. You worked with your uncle. You saw manliness in action. Um, and then like the middle of the 20th century, uh, that started going away. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we had you know this the whole cultural revolution that happened in the 1960s. Uh, where ideas about what it meant to be a man or even, you know, the bigger things, you know, what role does religion have in our life? Um, what's the role of government in our life? They all got, you know, topsy-turvy, right? Yeah, sure. Um, and so now we're starting to think, look, at this, people started questioning, well, uh, what does it mean to be a man? Like maybe what that, what our grandfathers thought manliness meant isn't what it means to be a man. So sure. there's this whole reinvention. And so people, and there's all these different competing ideas of what manhood means. Um and so, yeah, I think there's, that's the confusion, right? I mean, you're, you can go to different places and they're going to tell you what it means to be a man. And they're all in, contradictory in some way. Uh, and so I think there's a lot of young men in particular who are looking for just, you know, straight up answers, uh, what it means to be a man. And uh, they didn't get it from their dads for whatever reason. Maybe dad wasn't there. Right. Or maybe dad was there, but he's at work all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. So he didn't really, you know, he was away from the kids basically yeah, yeah it wasn't it wasn't dad trying to be mean and ne- negligent it's just that's the way life was right um and then you also have all these competing influence from pop culture telling you different things so i think there's a lot of uh, young men who are just confused and they're looking for looking for answers i want to give a big shout out to jonathan conrad over at the catholic woodworker jonathan started his ministry with one sole purpose in mind and that was get quality crafted rosaries into catholic's hands He's been doing it now so well that he has opened up a storefront. He has a brick-and-mortar store. If you go to catholicwoodworker.com, you can check out the whole facility. We're really proud of you, Jonathan. I remember when you first started this whole thing. Uh, we're thankful for your friendship. We're thankful for your uh, willingness to support the Catholic Man Show. If you guys go to catholicwoodworker.com, use the program, promo code TCMS. You get 10% off all of your purchases. Uh, we just want to thank you, Jonathan, for your uh, love of our mother and the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and all the good work you're doing to grow his kingdom. Cheers. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think that just presence of men in the home, um, for whatever reason, it, it's not there today like it used to be. And, and another thing that that's interesting, you're talking about that cultural revolution took place in the 60s. Um, I think we can blame the 60s for a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. <laughs> but one of the you also mentioned government. Um, if you go back to the early 1900s and then hundreds of years before that, and you look at who, were, who was it that was getting married at the time? It was a man who was about 30 marrying a woman who was about 17. And the reason was because you had, as a man, you had to be able to establish yourself. You had to be able to provide for another human being before you could get married, Okay. It wasn't until that government played this larger role in our life with, you know, this increased uh, socialism, where now if you can't take care of yourself, that's okay. The government will take care of you. Mm. That it almost it allowed for two people in their 20s to begin to get married 
and then now it's two people in their late twenties. And anyway, it's just an interesting thing, you know, because men or boys become men a decade after girls become women. You know that there's we everybody knows men mature later on. It's I don't know. I don't have a point here with this. I'm just saying like this is an observation <laughs> right. uh, it, that I just found interesting and fascinating. Yeah. And what I think is interesting, one of the things I've discovered uh, researching and writing about manliness for over 10 years is that uh, this, you know, this crisis of masculinity that people call it, it's mm-hmm. not new. We always think this is a new problem um, that you know, it's new. It's it's unique to the 21st century. We've been having the same discussion for thousands of years. Like, what does manliness? Mm. What does it mean to be a man? Yeah. You can go back um, 150 or 100. Yeah, I'd say 130 years ago, around the turn of the century. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the same sort of conversation. So, what was going on there? And I think another thing, another influence, sort of causing the confusion, is the, the the advancements in technology. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, mm. So, part of being a man for thousands of years is your provider. Right. You work with you work to provide for your family. Um, but what happens whenever technology makes you obsolete in a way, right? Mm. What does it mean to be a man when you don't have to work? So this happened, um, this is happening right now with the, you know, whatever they call artificial intelligence where, you know, job, lawyer jobs are being outsourced to computers, mm-hmm. right? Uh, doctor, like part of like, I think there's like radiologists now they can send the, the x-rays to a computer and the computer can scan for tumors, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Well, this same sort of thing was happening at the turn of the, the 19th, 20th century with uh, industrialization, right? Um, men who, you know, worked with their hands or farming, well, they had like machines that could do that, right? right? So yeah. like, what does it mean to be a man when you got a machine that can do what you do and like you no longer can provide for your family in a mm-hmm. way? There's a, a great quote by Nassim Taleb. He's the guy that wrote The Black Swan, okay. uh, mm-hmm. Fooled by Ramdenness. And he has this quote, I forgot which word it was, but it says, the opposite of manliness isn't cowardice, it's technology. Oh, really? Hmm. Right? So think about um, everything that we think of what it means to be a man. Um, you know, being a provider, well, there's a machine that can do your job. So what does it mean to be a man when you can't provide for your family in that traditional way anymore? Mm-hmm. Or look at warfare. Like, that's always been a domain of men primarily, right. warfare. But now we've got these drones, Right. We can send in where you're just mm-hmm. doing like video game style. Right. Right. Not really. Like, and, what does it mean? A woman could, could, a do, woman that could just, do that just as well. Just as well. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like, all right, well, what's the difference between men and women? Well, the obvious one is our strength. Right. And if we no longer, what are we using it for now? Because right. we have, oh, well, machines plow the fields. You know, we, we don't have to. Right. What do we have to use our strength for? Right. You know? So, uh. So that's something else to think about. Um, and people yeah. like want to, you know, I think it, it's not one thing. Everyone wants to find like the one thing we right. can blame, but it's not. It's yeah. it's culture, it's technology, it's, yeah. Eco- yeah. it's economics. Um, and so, yeah, in the turn of the 20th century, you had this crisis of masculinity. Um, like, okay, machines can do what we can do. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be a man, right? When no longer, we, you don't have to use your physical strength to make your way in the world. Well, during this time, this is when you had the rise of uh, like uh, organized sports, baseball, football, basketball, that, it all got its start uh, oh. during that time. And it was in a, in a way a reaction to sort of that, you know, crisis of what does it mean to be a man yeah. right, when we can't use our strength in a, in a productive manner mm-hmm. anymore. So what we can do is we can um, simulate it right through sports. Um, and so, yeah, that's sort of that, that's when like, what do you think about it? Like a lot of our ideas of what we think of manliness in America today got their got its start then. Right. Hmm. Sports, 
uh, bodybuilding, like strength training, got it started. Like Eugene Sandow, the first bodybuilder. Huh. Um, it's called physical culture. He's a physical culturist is what they called it. Um, the, the scouts got started during yeah. that time. Uh-huh. So that was, an, there was like this nervousness, like, hey, these boys, they don't, they don't, they're no longer on the fa- working on the farm anymore. They're living in cities. Mm-hmm. They're not going off to war, right? Mm-hmm. They're just kind of sitting there doing nothing. Well, we got to put them, get them out in the, out in the wilderness, right? Mm-hmm. It's like learn how to be men. Right. Um, and then also during this time, you saw the rise of the um, muscular Christianity movement, right? So you had uh, this concern that the church was too effeminate, right? So they so we're going to inject some more manliness into it. So you had different, you know, in Protestantism and happened in Catholicism as well, where like men's groups started forming mm-hmm. in religions and they tried to, they, you know, getting kid, getting guys out in the outdoors, um, focusing on the manliness of Jesus, things like that. Uh, so this is all happening, you know, our great grandparents were going through the same thing that we were going through hmm. today. Right. And I think it's a lot of the same causes. It's, it's, a, it's a matter of a technology economics, culture. And then you, know, you go back, you can go back to even ancient Greece and Rome. They're having this, what does it mean to be a man? And here's why we're always have, we're always going to have this discussion because unlike, uh, you kind of mentioned this earlier, you know, across cultures, you know, you're a woman once you can have children, mm-hmm. right? That's like, Hey, you're a woman. Manhood across cultures is something you earn, right? You're not yeah. just, you're not, right. you're not a man because you've gone through puberty, right? Mm-hmm. Across culture, man, being a man is a status you have to earn. So it's always in question. Mm. And so I, I think because of that, that, I, that, that fact that manhood across cultures is, some, is a status you have to earn through certain acts or developing certain virtues, we're always going to have that discussion about, okay, what does it mean to be a man? Mm. And so I don't think it'll ever be. So I think, you know, we're having this, you know, discussion now. I think we're going to have it 50 years from now, 100 years from now. Um, because, because of that fact that man, being a man is a status you, you have to earn. Well, you know, in some ways that makes me feel better that, you know, okay, <laughs> yeah. this isn't brand new, you know, this, this isn't brand new. I mean, things it's aren't di- unraveling, right? It's different, right? It, it's, it's not exactly the same, but yeah. it's, it, it is the same in a way. But yeah, so this idea of becoming a man, there's some cultures had these rites of passage, you know, I think right. of the ancient Greeks who... You know, you were you had this ceremony and you became a man and now you are recognized as a, you know, we don't have anything like that. Right. And so it does, you know, for those kids, they went through it. They knew they were a man and now they knew what was expected of them. Right. And when does a young boy ever, when does anyone expect something of him? Not right. When, when, yeah. I don't know. We've yeah. got 30 year olds, I mean, 30 year olds living at, at home with their parents, you right. know, and, uh, but even like, you know, even when we have those traditional adult markers for adulthood, you can achieve them, but still not feel like a man, right? Like you sure, can yeah. graduate college and get your first job. Mm-hmm. You can get married, mm-hmm. right? And still not feel like a man for some reason. Um, you have kids. Probably don't, there's some guys who are like, man, I still, I'm 40 years old and have three kids and I don't feel like a grown man. Um, so yeah, cause there's nothing, it's not set in stone, mm-hmm. right? Um, so yeah, it's, it's a challenge, but it's an opportunity. Right, I think. Yeah, and I think it's a good challenge for us to help our our sons. I don't have any sons yet, but God willing, someday I will. Uh, you know, so that we can give them expectations, because I think that's part of it. Is well, I no, nothing is expected of me, right? And so I don't have to rise to meet any expectations. I can just kind of sit here and yeah, and I mean do that, whatever. So we talk about all, all the time on, on our show. We talk about how 
there's there's times where we do things and at the end of it you look back and you say yes i feel accomplished that was that was extremely hard it was arduous but i accomplished it and i now feel like mowing the yard or or taking care of your yard a lot of times you know it's not fun some people like i I actually kind of like it i'm kind of weird like that i do like mowing the yard but uh you know you you do all this yard work you're sweaty you're exhausted 100 degree heat here in oklahoma yet you sit back at the end of it and you say okay I accomplished something. You take some pride in, 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 in the dignity of, of the work that you did. Sometimes now I think that we, because like you were talking about how there's offices now, there's technology, we don't get the opportunity to, to have that strenuous moment, to have that, um, to, to, to work hard, to do hard things, to do hard things. Right. And when you don't have that, then it's hard to take pride in what you, what you have and, and the things around you. Yeah. There's, um, a great guy, a writer, uh, he wrote Shop Classes, Soulcraft, and he wrote a, another book, uh, I forgot the name of it. Anyways, Shop Classes, Soulcraft. My, Matthew Crawford is his name. Okay. Um, that's the kind of point he made. One of the, the I mean, this is not even, it's not even just about manhood, but just about life in the 21st century. Um, our work, since we're so, it's so ethereal, mm-hmm. right? You can like, you know, most people are in, at, at a computer punching numbers into Excel spreadsheets. And at the end of it, you never really know, like, what did this do? Yeah, it's right? hard to have what, a gauge. What exactly did I accomplish today? Yeah, and there's you not do a this, pile of widgets right, next to you that right. you just made. But it's like, but he's this guy. Um, he he's a philosopher, but he's also he also restores uh, vintage motorcycles. Right on. And he talks about you know that work is more satisfying because at the end of it, when I you know fix this motorcycle, mm-hmm. like it works. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I know like my, my actions had a, had a, had a cause or it, it had consequences. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And you don't really get that with digital, digital stuff. Right. Or just the work of the 21st century. So yeah, I'm a big believer in, you know, people doing concrete things like living less abstractly. I mean, there's a, there's a value for abstraction and contemplation. There's also value in just concrete action mm-hmm. where you, you just get that satisfaction of, of fixing something mm-hmm. and doing something uh, very viscerally. Yeah, right? I think it has a way of rooting you in reality. Right. No, which we've lost a lot of. Oh yeah. In our culture. Right. No, today. like we are we are living in unreality with the internet and social media yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. What's a virtue that you think that men like? It just didn't get passed down to to this generation. You know, there was mm. there's this virtue. You know. Virtues that you talk about your grandfather, like your grandfather was a big hero of yours. Right. He had all these virtues that was passed on to him from his dad. Right. Then there was some kind of gap between that and our parents and then our parents to us. Right. Where there were some virtues that were either lost or, or we were, wasn't passed down to. What do you think that those are? Uh, just the I, I don't know what virtue would what you would call this, but it's the idea that you're you're working for something bigger than yourself. A servant. Right? A servant, right? Service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at that World War II generation and they just, I mean, I, it's one of my favorite times of history because you see these just regular guys who, you know, some of them got drafted, but a lot of them just joined up. They answered the call yeah. uh, to go fight for their country. And they were, I mean, they, I mean, the, the, the battles they took part in were like just crazy, right? Just they're epic and big and romantic, right. right? I mean, I know that's sort of sad. It's sort of weird to say that a war can be romantic, no, but yeah. it is in a way sure. romantic, yeah. right? The Battle of the Bulls, you're these guys in foxholes getting just shellacked with bombs, freezing cold, and uh, they won, right? And then they come home 
and they just, what do they do? They go back, they start working, take care of their families, coach baseball. Um, they just went back to serving, right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and putting others first. And that was the big takeaway I got from my grandfather. Uh, I feel like th- it was my grandfather in that generation. They were more concerned about being useful rather than important. Yeah. And I feel like today it's backwards. Pe- people, particularly young people, they want to be important. Right. And then maybe they can be useful. Right. But no, usually no. They just want to be important through, you know, it's all social media, you know, self-promotion, becoming a personal brand. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And they think that's going to find, give them meaning and significance and whatever, but it doesn't. Um, and my grandfather, I mean, I look at his back at his career. Uh, you know, he died a few years ago and I, I had the opportunity to give his eulogy. And I was looking over all the this these amazing accomplishments, accomplishments he, he, he did in his life. But the thing is, I never knew that because he never talked about it. He never had them up on this wall. Just mm. like it's what he did. Mm. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I like to think my grandpa was too busy being useful to think about being important. And that's the kind of life I want to live. Because in the end, I mean, that's the kind of life that gives you significance. It leaves you feeling satisfied, gives you meaning. Um, you know, money can't give you that. Fame can't give you that. It's right. just living a life where you you give more than you take. So, I mean, that's another, like, you know, if you want to talk about being, what it means to be a man, there's, um, there's a book called manhood in the making. It's written by this anthropologist named David Gilmore. And it was published probably in the eighties or nineties. And he, um, did a cross cultural analysis of what it means to be a man in different cultures. And he found with a few small exceptions that it's pretty much the same, right? Um, every culture defines being a man pretty much the same way. And one of the key attributes of, that separates men from boys is men give more than they take and boys take more than they give. Than they give. Right. Men are producers, boys are consumers. And I feel like in today's culture, it's very consumer oriented. Um, you know, your, our whole economy is based on the idea. You just, you have the stuff that's given to you. You don't have to really produce anything. Right. Yeah. Um, but also on a, uh, on a higher level, you know, we just think about what can we get Right. What can how can the world serve me instead of thinking, well, how can I how can I serve the world or my community? Absolutely. I think that's a I really like that definition about taking more than you give, giving more than you take, because that's that's really essentially what it is. I mean, and that's something that's a tangible thing that every man can do right now. Right. You know, everybody wants that silver bullet like you were just talking about. Well, that actually could be one. Right. No, that's something you can start right and now with your wife, with your kids. To right. me, another uh, kind of a measuring stick for me is a man doesn't complain. You know, boys do. Right. Uh, you know, man, of course, they do hard things. You know, that's what you're made for. That's right. why That's why you have a, a thicker skeletal structure and stronger muscles. It's because you're made to do stuff that's hard. <laughs> uh, but you don't complain about it because that's what you're made for. Okay? Right. Like, right. it's what you're supposed to do. So yeah. just go back to work and be quiet. Whereas a boy, he's, you know, he hasn't grown in all of those. He's not strong yet. So he's going to complain he's about it. Whine and complain yeah. about it. And we have a lot of whiners today. There are some whiners. No yeah. whining. So we said virtue. Now let's say, let's talk about vice. What is one of the biggest vices you think here in today's culture that that men struggle with? Yeah. And there's a lot, right? I mean, right, it's right. like <laughs> diverse fish in the ways, bar- right? Yeah, yeah. Fit, shooting fish in the barrel here. Um, I mean, I think the opposite. I mean, it's just like if people aren't living that virtue, it means they're living that vice, which is selfishness, self-centeredness. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the I think the biggest vice. Because people are just thinking about themselves all the time. Yeah. And not only is that good for the world or the community or your family, but it's like terrible for you. 
right? If you're just yeah. constantly thinking about yourself, you end up thinking about your problems, right? Because that's what you usually, that's what you go to, right? Right. It's like, well, that voice in your head goes to like, well, my life sucks this okay. way. Woe is me. Woe is me. What is this all for? Um, and I think if you want to get out of that vicious cycle, you mm-hmm. have to get outside of your brain. And one of the ways you can do that is just engaging with reality, like doing stuff with your hands, doing hard things with your body that gets you to stop thinking about yourself, but then also thinking just, okay, how can I help that person? How can I make my wife's life a bit better? How can I make my kid's life a bit better? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's one thing you can do. I mean, it's not the silver bullet again, but if, if you're feeling like malaise and depression or anxiety, like stop thinking about yourself because all you're doing is you're going to um, just keep constantly thinking and thinking and thinking about those negative things. You're going to go you know, further down the, the, the hole with right. that. So just get outside of your brain and you'll feel a lot better. Uh, on the Art of Manliness, you put out basically two podcasts a week, typically, right? right? Mm-hmm. And so I forget what number you're on, 400 and something, is that yeah, right? Yeah, 450, I think, I don't know. Okay, I don't, so... I've lost, I don't keep count. It's a, it's a good number. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are a couple that have really stood out to you? What uh, are the ones that have been like, yes, that yeah, that one that yeah. one made a... For someone who might, you know, hasn't listened to all 450, what yeah. would be a good ones from the past to go... Okay. Dig out uh, of the closet. So that Matthew Crawford podcast, I did okay. a podcast with him. Really good. Um, then I did one with this classicist, classics professor uh, named Carlin Barton. She wrote a book called Roman Honor, which is probably the best book I've ever read. Uh, it's on Amazon, but it's super expensive because they don't they didn't really print that many copies oh, of it. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those books where like, the footnotes are even interesting. But she goes into like the psychology of ancient Romans, particularly in the regards to honor. And it's hard to describe because she just uh, she just she paints a vivid picture of what it may have been like to be an ancient Roman and experiencing like what it meant to be a Roman during that time. And she gets into manhood and manliness and what it means. Um, that's a really good podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has some great insights about uh, uh, manhood. She talks about in Rome, manhood, being a man was a status you earned. So uh, males in Rome were called homos, H-O-M-O. Uh, you were a male. But to become a veer, or if you want to be a Latin nerd, weir, V-I-R, to become a man, you had to develop virtus, mm-hmm. virtus, manliness, virtue. yeah, virtue, strength. Um, and so, yeah, you, you didn't, you, the status for the Romans, or being a man for the Romans was a status you had to earn. And I, we still have that idea uh, today with us. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an un- uh, it's, it gives you a lot of insights about manhood today, um, learning about the ancient Romans. Uh, so her, Carlin Barton, is a good one. Uh, if you're looking... Oh, another one I like. Um, oh, that was my uh, smoke alarm, I believe. Just a little thunder. A little yeah. thunder. A little yeah. thunder. Ride the thunder. Yeah. Um, uh, what was the... Uh, if you're looking for uh, about, oh, another one is this guy named Earl Labor. He's an interesting guy. He's like 90 years old now. It's a manly last name. Yeah, yeah. Earl Labor. He's from Oklahoma, um, okay. but he's uh, he became a Jack London scholar, and he wrote this like seminal biography about Jack London. Um, so I did an interview with him about Jack London, who is an interesting character. But then I also did an interview about this memoir of his that he wrote called The Far Music. And it's about this trip that his, him and his buddies took in the 1950s after they graduated college. They started in Texas and they hitched, their, their plan was to hitchhike all the way to Canada and build a cabin from scratch 
and just okay. live in the Canadian All wilderness. Right. <laughs> um, but they don't, they only make it to like Kansas city. <laughs> uh, and you know, they're working like the idea was like to work the, uh, the, the grain harvest all, you know, going up, going north. Okay. And they, yeah, of course they get stuck and they, they're doing these just terrible jobs. It's like just backbreaking labors, you know, sucking in alfalfa dust. <laughs> they got sick. Uh, and they ended up in Kansas city and they decided, okay, we're not going to make it. So they go home. But he was a good interview because he, he, he just has this, I don't know. He doesn't really talk about being a man explicitly, but from the stories you get it right. Yeah. And, um, that, that was a good one. And then it just depends on what you're, the thing is we do so many different topics. It's, yeah, it's, you do. it's pick or choose. Uh, so it depends on what you're interested in. So if you're interested in being a man, I think uh, the Carlin Barton one is good. I did an interview with another uh, academic, Leo Browdy, who wrote a book about masculinity throughout uh, history. That's a good one. Another one is um, I did another interview with another classics professor about manhood. Uh, his name escapes me, but he wrote this book called Ghost and Soldiers. It's just about uh, how warfare changed throughout the Greeks and uh, Roman time and how it was all trying to capture this idea of manliness in the, the Iliad, mm. which is really interesting. Hmm. So then we have like things on just like fitness and money and whatever. But those are the ones that I right now, I think, like really stick out to me. You know, uh, you mentioned honor. You also wrote a really good article. It was a series. On honor. Yeah, it was that was the like the hardest one of the hardest things we ever wrote. And it was I wanted to punch myself in the face. <laughs> well, it's really myself good. in the eye. Yeah, because we did an episode on the virtue of honor and I used your article a lot for uh, well, I'm glad for it was reference. I'm glad it was useful. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure I even gave you credit for it. <laughs> it's OK if you didn't. <laughs> if not, I'm pretty sure I did. Right. <laughs> If I didn't, I didn't mean to not do it. No, yeah, honor is one of those weird things. Um, that was, uh, it's a word we say a lot, but m I think most modern Western people don't really know what it means, like what honor means. Yeah. Um, you know, we think of it as integrity. Mm -hmm. uh, but for, you know, the founding fathers, the ancient Greeks, the ancient Romans, honor was your reputation as a man, basically. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you said, you know, I swear by my honor, like that was like, you're swearing by your, your sense of self. Right. And that was, mm -hmm. that was a big deal. It was a mm -hmm. big, big deal. Um, and yeah, it was primarily a, a thing of manliness to have honor as a man meant you had to have strength, you had to have courage and you had to prove it and mm -hmm. withhold it. Uh, and, and always, you know, yeah, it was a very public thing. It wasn't something internal. You had to like show others that you had those virtues, but it had its downsides too, because, um, honor cultures, a lot of them it's might makes right so mm. if someone uh called you a a liar even if you really and if you really did lie as long as you beat the guy in a duel well you're not a liar because yeah. You, yeah. you won <laughs> yeah. um so there are some downsides to honor culture but i think Definitely. the benefits of it is you know it holds people accountable right going back to you know if you're just constant if, if you're if you're your own judge right of your your own self-worth well you can you can be awesome in your own head yeah. I right. am. I am. I'm Trust awesome me. in my head. But when you get out there and actually uh, engage again with something outside of yourself, you might find out, oh, maybe I'm not as cool. And that's what I think that's one of the things that honor cultures do. It holds you accountable yeah. uh, for your actions. But yeah, there's downsides. To and, it. you know, a virtue is always the the median between two extremes. Yeah. And so, you know, th that's just any virtue can be taken yeah, a to a extreme. bad way. Right. Yeah, sure. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, it sounds like honor 
it's like the proof is in the pudding. You know, if yeah. you if you are going to live a virtuous life, well, does that does is it evident by your right. life? You know, yeah. that's kind of your honor. Right. And we uh, even today we talk about giving. We know it's like, oh, let's give honor to whatever, but we don't think about possessing it. Yeah. You know, in just our day to day life. It's, right. Do you feel like God is calling you to go on a pilgrimage? Well, for the last 34 years, Select International Tours has been leading pilgrimages to holy sites all over the world. And you want when you go on pilgrimages, Dave, you want to make sure you have the great the best hotels, you're touring with the best guides, and every detail has been addressed. And that's exactly what you're getting with Select International Tours. So, for more information, go to their brand new website, selectinternationaltours.com. They have been a sponsor of the Catholic Man Show for a long time now. Even during the COVID pandemic, they were still sponsoring our show. A lot of other tour companies were really shutting down. These guys were consistent. So go to selectinternationaltours.com to find out more information about all the great pilgrimages they offer all over the world. I think it goes back to like the, uh, the dignity of what you're doing, the dignity of work, making you know, doing the best that you can in that moment. And do you do you understand the dignity of what you're doing? You know, right. so you put yourself into it and want to do your best. Yeah. Uh let's talk for a minute just about what your thoughts are. One of, a great quote that I really like from uh John Paul II. He says it's the duty of every man to uphold the dignity of every woman. Mm-hmm. I think that that quote right there sums up a lot of problems that we have in in the culture today. Sure. Um what are your thoughts on on men not doing that or or how we can get back to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a, uh, for most of, I'd say the history, at least here in America, there was this idea that men respect women, mm-hmm. right? Um, because men are stronger than women, right? Yeah. There's that dynamic there. Right. right. So this whole idea of chivalry, mm-hmm. you know, rose out of that. Right. Um, and again, because of, you know, cultural changes that was kind of seen as a, you know, chauvinistic, right. It's, Chivalry is chauvinism with a you know a hat tip, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but I think it, it's important because it, it, again, it makes explicit something we I think all know that men are stronger than women, right? Mm-hmm. They can assert themselves or not even assert themselves, like overtake a woman. That's all we're seeing all this stuff about this going on right now, right? And this Me Too things, right? There's yeah. men who use some men who use their power to. Over, overpower women, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think chivalry, courtesy, etiquette, things like that between those differences between the sexes, it's a way to to show that there is a difference and uh, we're going to respect those differences. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, just be be a good dude. Like, yeah, don't be an a-hole. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't yeah. know, I mean, I don't know how, I don't want to get, philo- I don't, it's not too philosophical, but just like, just be, be good. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so he's like, we, you said we used to have to respect women. And in my head, I was thinking, yeah, but now we don't have to because of the feminist movement. You know, right. like they, the feminist movement, I, I, I don't want to say I know what their motives were because maybe many of them had good motives, especially in the beginning. But it's had the effect of, oh, don't open my door. I can get my door myself. And it's like, I know that you can open your door. Yeah. I'm not opening the door because I think less of you. I'm Has that ever happened it. to you? I mean, it's never happened. I, mean, I guess it's probably because we live in Oklahoma. Yeah, I think here in Oklahoma, it's still very it's, appreciated. It's you still know? pretty, yeah. yeah. People like, it's thank, still like, thank God. Yeah, I love the, this is just a side note on Oklahoma. If you're driving down Old uh, old Town 
and you're driving past, people still wave. Yeah, no, know, I, just, I waved my neighbors. Yeah, I mean, just like what? don't know who they are. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like, <laughs> hey, what's going on? My yeah. my son's like, why are you, you waving to them? You guy, hey. yeah. <laughs> why, why do you know that person? I'm like, no, it's my no, neighbor. You just wave. You just wave. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you you do you do have a little bit of a philosophical background to you, correct? Yeah, a little bit, not I mean, much. I uh I I was I went to OU and OU's uh-huh. playing Texas right now. I, oh I yeah, I that is right true. now. I think it's right yeah. now. Yeah, it so is. Anyways, I'm okay. not. I don't really follow football anymore, because um, I, I, I remember I, I just the day I stopped following football was when I was in law school, and I was like, you know, I had the hopes that OU was going to win the national championship that year, and they just biffed it against some team, and it just made me angry and depressed. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of feeling like this because some team loses. So I just stopped following. So, anyways, uh-huh. uh, yeah, it was, when I was at OU, I studied letters which is basically a humanities degree. Uh, you study philosophy. Uh, I had to study Latin, uh, literature, history. And so I did a lot. My focus was on, uh, did a lot of stuff in ancient Greek history, ancient Greek literature. Um, so that was my background. Mm-hmm. And I just, I've continued that um, with my own personal study and education after I graduated. Mm-hmm. You said you were, you were reading St. Thomas Aquinas, who's a, a big yeah. philosophy oh, yeah. guy. Right. Uh, who else are some of the guys that you like? Uh, ancient guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big Aristotelian. Okay, I'm Aristotle. I'm, I'm on. So you like Saint Thomas then, probably yeah, as well. I'm, a, I'm on Team Aristotle. You mean the philosopher? Right, yeah. the yeah. philosopher. Yeah. yeah, I'm. A, I'm on Plato. Not a fan of Plato. Uh, he was too. He's too abstract, too ethereal. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aristotle's just like, no, here's we're, we're gonna bring this down uh, on how to live a good life. Um, yeah, so I'm an Aristotelian, definitely. Virtue ethics is my thing. Uh, the Stoics. Are good, but again, I'm sort of ambivalent, ambivalent about stoicism uh, because I think it denies emotions too much, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Seneca, particularly, we've got two extremes. Like, well, you can see your wife get murdered, you just got to be tranquil about it. Right. It's like, I mean, no. are you, you know, yeah. I'm not a. Yeah, we're body and soul. You right. know, like, but emotions are part of Emot- the body. Right. And that's why I like Aristotle because, you know, he takes that into account on what it means to, be, to live a good life, right? Yeah. Emotions play a, a role in that. Um, so I like him. So Aristotle, not Plato. Stoics, pretty good. Um, I'm trying to think, who my sort of those are the big ones. What about modern guys? Do you have any modern guys? Man, I'm not a big modern philosophy guy. Yeah, me either. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I've read Nietzsche because he's sort of just wackadoo and crazy and interesting. Um, it's one of those mixed bags. There's some, some good you know, aphorisms every now and then, but then mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, there's a like, lot of stuff he got really right, right? You know, but then at the end of his, he just kind of the later older he got, he just got weirder and yeah, weirder and right, just a unfolding train. Well, didn't wreck he try to like? Didn't he try to go insane? Wasn't he like? Well, no, he. They don't know what really. He know. just kind of worked himself yeah. to death. He may have gotten syphilis. They think. Yeah, that's a theory. Um, <laughs> That's not. No, I'm sorry. Right. No. Like, <laughs> um, no. But there's a lot of misconceptions about the guy. Uh, but I mean, the things he got right. Uh, you know, like when he talked about God is dead. Like he wasn't celebrating that, right? He was actually describing what was happening in Western culture. Like, yeah, they we killed God with science, and mm-hmm. we killed God with you know philosophy, and now like this is a crazy time to live because since there is no God anymore, like we so you said like people pretend like there was a God, right? The sort of the, the the enlightenment, right? They sort of kind of give lip service to it, but they really didn't believe it, believe it. Right. Yeah. Um, and he said, this is going to open up tragedies, right? Cause there's like no common good anymore. Like there's no agreement. And like he predicted basically 
uh, you know, World War II, World War One, all that stuff. So that's one misconception. People think, oh, you know, he celebrated the death of God. He was like, no, actually, that's a terrible thing because yeah. <laughs> we just opened up Pandora's box. And we're still battling with like, okay, people are, that's... Yeah, moral people, relativism. Moral relativism. People are confused about what is good, what is right. Uh, Nietzsche predicted that. Um, but his answer to that was, you know, people have to come up with their own value system, become an Ubermensch, right? And yeah. like, it's impossible. Right. I think, like, I mean, it's psychologically impossible. I mean, I think people like that idea, right? And I think you see that. Well, it's very because yeah, it always caters to, to you. Right, I think it's, you see it a <laughs> lot. Um, I mean, I think, you know, you sort of like the, so, like the self-help, you know, world. Right. It's all about that. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you find your own values, find your own mission in life, which, you know, there's good things to that. Sure. But like, that's, that's hard to do. Like, okay, how do you even decide? Well, I think this is a perfect transition to my next question. What, in your opinion, should be the role of religion in a man's life? Uh, I'm a big, you know, I go to church. I'm not Catholic, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think religion, uh, it, so like, here's a great analogy. Masculinity is sort of like this this unbridled energy that men have. And Mm -hmm. it's like electricity. It can either be used for good or for bad, right? If electricity isn't sort of contained and channeled, it can just cause destruction. In unknown places. Unknown, yeah, just crazy, right? right. It's like, you know, uh, violence, spousal abuse, drunkenness. I mean, that's that's masculinity. It's like this energy, right? But it's not being um, channeled towards productive or uh, good means. I think one thing religion does is it can put, it can provide some direction uh, for that energy mm-hmm. um, through uh, the culture that religion inculcates, uh, the ritual that reminds you of like a greater good uh, through study. It gives you a good idea of what it means to be uh, a good man, taking that masculine energy that you have and channeling it towards something positive. We have a, a it, well, it seems up? to me like it's, sorry. Religion, you talk about self-help books, religion, you know, reach inside of you, come up with your own tradition, your own values. Like, well, how about... I'm living my truth. Right. How about you rely on some time-tested ones that have been handed down over the centuries? (laughs) Right, right. Maybe that would be a good place to start. Yeah, right. That actually... Okay, so that that segues into my next... We we don't have very much uh, more time, but there are a lot of guys who are listening to this right now who have uh, young families who... Are, are wanting to pass down, tra- you know, start traditions. Yeah. Because uh, I think that's I think that is something that we don't we, we don't do a good job of today is is no. establishing family traditions. Yeah. Uh, what would be your suggestion? What What would you say to them? Like, here's how, here's a good good way to start family traditions. I mean, man, it's, you just, just do it. You just do it, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like everyone's like, you just do it. So like, you know, family tradition we have. In our house, it comes from my faith practice. I'm Mormon. Mm-hmm. Uh, this idea of family home evening, where like one night you get together as a family. There's no TVs, no screens, and you just spend. I mean, we spend. It's like 20 minutes, and we'll start off. We'll give like a, a lesson mm-hmm. from scripture, or it could be. You know, we're going to talk about what does it mean to be honest, or we're talking about personal finances. It could be whatever, right? Sure. We're just we're being very intentional with instructing our kids. That's another thing I feel like a lot of parents don't do. So they just yeah, whatever, you know, they're going to learn how to be... The government will educate my children. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Caillou will educate (laughs) my kid. Um, So, you know, we we start spend like maybe five, ten minutes doing that, and then it's uh, ten, fifteen minutes just discussing what's going on in our week, right? Here's Mm -hmm. what's... I mean, it's great to get on everyone on the same page, right? Gus, you got football this week, you got got scouts, you got this, you got that. 
So we got that all laid out on our calendar, and then we read over these rules that we got from John Wooden, the John oh, Wooden, yeah. the basketball coach, yeah. uh, that he had as a kid. It was like, uh, be honest, never lie, never steal, never cheat, uh, be strong, never whine. Wait, don't whine, don't complain, don't make excuses. And I, my kids repeat that every single week. Uh, nice, are, that's awesome. Um, and then we, uh, what do we do after that? And then we just kind of ask how things going in the, fa- the house. Like, yeah. okay, well, you guys can do better picking up here. Do that. We end with prayer. Then we mm-hmm. have a treat. That's family home evening. Yeah. We do that once a week. It's Monday or Tuesday nights. Nice. So that's one tradition you can do. Um, and then, you know, if depending on your faith, you know, every religion has certain uh, rites of passage they go through, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's, you know, confirmation, first communion, like make a big deal about that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah. you know, being intentional yeah. about that. That's a, that is a really good suggestion, I think. Yeah. Um, make a big deal. Be intentional as, as your kids are coming up you know, towards it. You know, you got to start thinking, OK, what can I do to start helping them get ready for that? And um yeah, they make a big deal when it does happen. So that's one other thing. And just like the holidays offer, offer a chance for tradition. Um, you know, another going back to, I mean, again, religion, you've got this, like, you got it. It's already set there. You can follow the liturgical calendar if you want it to. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It's like, yeah. We're, today's this feast day. Yep. Here's Here we what go. we're going to do. Right. Yeah. And in do fact, it. In fact, yesterday was the feast of uh, St. Faustina and yep. my, my daughter's middle name is Faustina. We, after that. So on my way home from work, I went to Reesers, bought a little cake, had them write Happy Feast Day, St. Faustina. There and you go. after dinner, that's, you know, we celebrated. It's, there's like so many opportunities. It's yeah. just, you have to be intentional and like, and just, yeah, you have to be intentional and just when you see it, when you think about it, just do it. Right. Right. And the more ways to work cake into it, I think. Uh, exactly. It's a win for them. Right. Yeah. It's Oh, for them. Yeah. For yeah, them. For yeah. <laughs> sure. It's a win for them. The kids. <laughs> yeah. For the kids. Uh, we, we don't have very much, very much time left. So yeah, five minutes. Let me ask you this. Uh, what's in the hopper? What do you got going on? Uh, so the podcast is going on. Uh, we're still, I mean, it's kind of funny. You started off as a website, like a blog, writing text content. We still do that. People, I've, what I found though is people don't know that. They just know me as a podcast guy. But we do have the Art of Manliness website. Oh, the website is so good. There's like, you know, we got 4,000 articles in there. They're meaty, I think. Yeah. I mean, we try to absolutely. be thorough and comprehensive yeah. with it. And you're going to find everything from, you know, primers on Plato there, even though I don't like the guy. Uh, I think it's important <laughs> to understand Plato. I'm working on Aristotle now. Um, but then we also have things just like how, just fun stuff. We have one Catholic man show, good biblical here. We got one illustrated guide on how to gird up your loins. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've seen that. I've seen the art, uh, right, no, right. the, the so, cartoon or it's, it's, not a, it's cartoon, a cartoon. It's, illustration. it's an illustration. It's a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, so we have illustrated guides on like, you know, how to grow up your loins, uh, how to poop like a samurai. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, the fun stuff. But then your also sword always sticks right, in the ground. You got to watch out. Yeah. No, no, you have to cross your leg and you, you'll read the illustration why you cross your leg. Um, ah, I see. <laughs> uh, but then we have just like meaty things on, you know, honor. We did a mm-hmm. whole series about what it means to be a man, you know, basing off that, uh, uh, manhood in the making book. Um, and then useful things just like personal finances, fitness, uh, being a dad, a lot of, you know, just useful content there. And then we also have then the podcast and we also have, I started this thing last year called the strenuous life, Yes, which is an online platform. You can sign up and basically it's the best way to describe it. It's scouts for grown men. Now I know that will sound silly and like a grown man would think, why would I want to do that? But, um, what I found is, one of my challenges with the art of man is, I, is I've always wanted guys to just to actually do this stuff. And a lot of guys would read it and they're like, Oh, well, how can I do this? And I'm like, all right, 
since you can't exercise your phronesis, your, your practical wisdom, um, we'll help you out. So we provided some structure, basically created 50 different badges based around 50 different skills. So we have things like uh, wilderness survival, camping, rucking, uh, a barbell badge. Then we have things, we have a patrifamilias badge. Uh, oh, nice. So a father, you know, father badge where you, you, you have to do like a weekly meeting with your family. Uh, and then plan adventures and things like that. Um, personal finances, uh, we have a gentleman's scholar badge where you have to do some, um, some continuing education, but on your own. Um, and so we just tell you, here are these certain requirements, do them. And it's amazing. Like, uh, when, if, when guys embrace this stuff, like they're, I mean, they say like, I was sort of in the, the slump, a slump for a while, but like, this is giving me some structure and I'm doing stuff that I always said I would do, but never got around to doing it. And yeah. here I am doing it. So it's we've incentivized great. guys to practice virtue. Right. I mean, I mean that's essentially what, what you're doing. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm trying to do. Put in, putting it in action. You know, we, we do these daily check-ins. You have to check in whether you did 60 minutes of physical activity. It could be anything. It could be lifting weights. It could be taking a walk with your family. It could mm-hmm. be roughhousing with your kids. And then they have to do a good deed every day. And it could be picking up trash, mm-hmm. you know, saying, you know, sending someone a letter you know, that you think needs that's a one that I really like. I got that from you as well is, is, is taking the time to write letters. People love mail. In they fact, d- I got one the other day from one of our supporters and I'm, it is your stationery. It's art of, Oh, is it? That's awesome. Of, on art of man. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. But did it make your day? You got yeah. like, Oh my gosh, I got a piece. Like people love mail. Like we did, we just did this sticker giveaway. Uh, on Instagram where we sent people like an art of manliness sticker for free. You had to just had to sign this form and uh, people are you know, writing back to me like, Oh, that made my, like, it was so great to get like mail. That's not junk. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hand, yeah. Handwritten. And know that somebody took the time to right. sit down, thought of me right. and, and wrote, wrote something down. Yeah. Yeah. What a what a new idea! What, what a, a novelty! Idea. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, so, I have one last personal question no, for you. Sure. How do you read so many books? Because uh, you read. I mean, you put out two podcasts a week, and you've read the books yeah. for the person you're interviewing. Right. I, and I sit there and I was like, "How does he do that?" You just you just do it. I mean, like, you, there's no there's no there's like no speed. Like, I there's some books I speed read. Uh, yeah. If it's like one of those like pop business books, right? You buy at the airport, right? Where it's like bullet pointed and like headings organized nicely. I'll skim that because they all say the same thing pretty much. Yeah. Um, but like meaty books, like if it's like a, a biography or a work of, you know, historic, you know, some history book, man, I'll, I just, you just read through it and take your time. You just have to make time for it. Got to do the work. Just got to do the work. You just do it. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. Everyone's like, what's the secret? No, you just, just do it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure that a lot of it has to do though with putting your phone away when you're reading. Well, sometimes I read on my phone. So, okay. so yeah, like some things, you know, I'm, I'm on my, I, that's another thing. So like I've, I like I prefer paper because um, mm-hmm. I just like the tactile nature of it and it's less distracting. But you know I have the Kindle app on my phone, so you can I, I'll when I'm work, lifting weights between sets, I'll read in line at the air uh, at the post office, bust out the phone, read a little bit, go into the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. you read. Yeah, make it productive instead of reading the back of the the toothpaste <laughs> or the deodorant. <laughs> I've you, never read the instructions on toothpaste before. Right. Oh yeah, <laughs> everyone's done that. <laughs> <laughs> You're bored. That's what you did before smartphones. So yeah. instead of skimming Instagram now, I guess. Um, yeah, I read a book. So nice. Fill the, fill those empty times with reading. You gotcha. just got to read. You just got to do. It. I'm gonna, see. I'm an Aristotelian. You just you just do it. Just do it. I that had never occurred to me. <laughs> just do it. Just, it Nike, they've ha- they've had it. For you. They've been trying to tell us, you know, these whole years. Just do it. Just do Just it. it. Brett, thanks so much for for taking the time and hang, hanging out with us. Hey, it, it was, was fun. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I know you're a busy guy, but I appreciate it a lot. No, it was fun. Thanks yeah, for thanks, having me. Thanks on. a lot. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Cool, man. I appreciate it. That was thanks fun. A lot. Yeah. yeah.